Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I've entitled this message today, Multiply. And I'm excited to preach it. I preached last Sunday on tithing, on finances. I felt very strongly of the Lord. I pray each week to try to get the mind of God. I felt very strongly to come back again today to talk to you about faith as your, with your finances. And I feel like this message is going to help a lot of people. It's a great story that we're going to talk about. It. I think, I think by the time we leave here today, you're going you're gonna to be revolutionized in your thinking when it comes to God and your finances and giving. I, it's, I think today's going to be revolutionary. Matthew chapter 14. Go to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to begin at verse 13. One of those stories is actually in every gospel in the Bible. It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000, okay? Y'all with me? Here we go. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. How many know God cares for you? And he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late, and Chili's is closed, and Outback is closed, and Longhorn is closed, and they shut down the Waffle House. Are y'all getting the picture? That's not in your Bible, is it? That was commentary. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some, some food. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. You give. Everybody say give. You give them. We want the Lord to give us everything, but every once in a while you got to let. Uh, Lord, help me today. I'm so full. Sometimes you got to let something go. And the Lord's telling you to let something go. You give them something. They said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. And out of five loaves, loaves of bread and two fish, they all ate. And he didn't give them a little flake and somehow took two fish and came up with 5,000 flakes. No, it says they all ate and were filled. It was an all-you-can-eat at the seafood place. And they took up, who's they? I'll tell you that in a minute. And they took up, how many? Twelve baskets full. of the fragments that remain. We call that leftovers. Right? Leftovers. Oh, Lord, I'm going to preach. Oh, Lord, but if I give the tithe, if I give offerings, I won't have anything left over. 
90%, say it with me, left. What leftovers are you focusing on? The leftovers that you see with your eyes or the leftovers you can't see yet that God says, I'm going to give to you 12 times more than what you had originally. Some of you getting this. This was not my notes. The Holy Ghost is just showing me stuff. And, and, and they took up 12 baskets. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. All right, sit down. You've been standing a long time. Can you say amen to the word of the Lord? Don't you love the Bible? Me too. Okay, so Matthew, along with the other gospel writers, records the amazing story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people miraculously. The disciples found a boy with a lunch. We've already said this through the text. Five loaves, two fish. Five barley loaves, actually. Two fish. That's the only thing they could find, so they bring it to Jesus. Jesus, first of all, says divides the crowd, and if you read one of the other Gospels, he said, sit them in groups of 50. So just like when you go to a restaurant and there's, there's seating arrangements, how many, in your, how many in your group? Uh, there's two of us. Thank you. And they take you to a table. Two. How many in your group? Well, there's eight of us. Well, we'll have, you'll have to wait a little longer. We'll, we've got that table come open in just a minute. Y'all with me? See how much of the Bible we can relate to? And there's, a, well, there's, we have a big party. There's 12 of us. Okay, well, you got about an hour wait, but we'll get you seated. See what I'm saying? Jesus said, seat them, get them seated, and divide them into groups of 50. And so they sat down, and the Bible says that Jesus blessed the food, broke it, and multiplied it. Right out of the gate, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you something to write down and grasp, and then the rest of this message hopefully will help you to get this. I see a, a very real divine principle in this story. I read this story this week, as a matter of fact, in my personal devotions, and it was just screaming at me. Number one, God has blessed you. I said that earlier in the beginning in the welcome. God has blessed you. Everything that is good in your life has come from God. James said every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. So anything good you have, God is the source. God has blessed you. Second, God expects you to sow out of what you possess. To break off just as he broke off the bread and he broke off the pieces of fish that he, he expects you to take what he's given you with and to break off some of it and distribute it in his name. Third, God will multiply what you sow, what you break off. Why? To bless others and ultimately to bless you. There's a principle here. If you can see that in this story, otherwise it's just a cool story. But you ought to see some things in here that can revolutionize your life. I named this, titled this message, Multiply, because God multiplied the food that was, Jesus multiplied the food that was given to him. And, and I was thinking, God operates in the realm of multiplication. So let me show you something from the Old Testament. And I'm, I'm glad because I, I pastor very intelligent people. So you're going to catch up on this real quick. So I'm going to show you, okay? Let me just show you how God works starting from Genesis 1. Let me show you how this connects with the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and this principle I'm giving you. So watch this, okay? Genesis 1, 20 to verse 22. 
on the fifth day of creation, God made all the sea life, all of the birds. Here's what the Bible says, verse 22. And God blessed them. Did you get that? What did he do to the loaves and fishes? Say it. He blessed them. See, then God blessed the birds and the fish, saying, watch this, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1, 27, 28. On the sixth day of creation, God made Adam and Eve. What, it is, what does it say? Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Adam, Eve, be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to go right down a path very quickly, pastorally and professionally, because I don't like crudeness coming from a pulpit. God blessed Adam and Eve, told them to be fruitful. I think everybody in here understands that to be fruitful, something's got to happen, right? Procreation. Don't, don't lose me here. I'm gonna be, I don't want to hit this fast. I want to be just discreet. And in that, this is biblical, there is a giving away. Are you with me? A distributing. Okay, is everybody good for that? But you're with me. Come on, y'all. That's, that's just fundamental. God made us, right? So then, then there is the creation of life. And then as you continue to... As you do that in the next covenant, and all the people start doing that, then what happens is in humanity you have multiplication. And the more people you have that are born, then they do that. You, do you, are you connecting the dog? I'm just teaching preaching today. You see why I'm so excited to come here? Blessed, be fruitful. You got to distribute. You got to release what you have. And then God takes that and he multiplies. That's how God operates. And he's placed that within creation. It's all around us. Genesis 9-1, the worldwide flood was over. God had wiped out everybody, but he saved righteous Noah and his family. What does it say? So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, you probably know what it says. What does it say? Be fruitful and, you're getting it, and fill the earth. I may not get through this message. But Lord, there's only eight of them. See what happens when you look at what little you have instead of what much that God can do? There's only eight of us. God said, I know that. But I have placed within you the power through my blessing. I have blessed you that you can recreate, procreate rather, and you can multiply. Go do it and watch what happens because I'm going to bless it. And there's 7 billion of us on this planet today because Noah and his three sons had a little faith in God and did what God had told them to do. We are standing here today as the furthest extent 
of their faith in God and the work of his multiplication. Genesis 17, God affirmed his covenant with Abraham and promised to give him a son and a heritage through Sarah. Watch this, verses 15 and 16, Genesis 17. God says, and I will bless Sarah. And I will give you a son by her. But again, being very discreet. But they, they had to cooperate. And that's the miracle because they were old and beyond childbearing years. So God said, I'm going to bless you. I'll do my part. Now, you got to do your part. Then I will bless her, and I will give you a son by her, and she will be a mother of one boy, and that's it. Is that what the Bible says? No, it says she shall be the mother of a, a nation, just one nation. Is that what it says? No, it says nations. You know why we have all the Arabs in the Middle East and around this world? Because of Abraham. You know why the Jewish people are still around today in spite of the Holocaust and all of the persecution that they've suffered for thousands of years? Because of Abraham and Sarah, the blessing of God and multiplication. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. 12 sons started having kids, and next thing you know, there's a whole nation. They're around still today, thousands of years later. I'm just trying to teach you that God operates in the realm of multiplication. So the feeding of the 5,000 gives us two keys to multiplication. You need to write these down. Type these out on your phone. Something must be blessed before it can be multiplied by Jesus. Are you noticing that pattern? When you tithe, to talk about giving today. When you tithe, I know that the rest of your money is blessed. Romans eleven sixteen says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Are you seeing that? That's a principle of God that goes all the way into nature. So whatever, whatever you want to multiply has to be blessed by God. That which is first or foundational and is given to God transmits blessings to that which follows it. So when you give 10% to God, the 90% is following it. Does that just mean, well, okay, well, I did, the, I did the thing I'm supposed to do. Now kind of on my own. No, 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 you're not on your own. God blesses the 90%. If the lump is, first fruit is holy, the tithe, then so is the lump. trying some of you you never heard this before when you put God first and you give him the first fruits of your earnings the remaining 90 cent is blessed the opposite of being cursed and Malachi 3 which I preached last week tells us that tithing results in blessing and it removes any curse on your finances is that not what I preached last week here's the second principle only what is given away can multiply only what is given away can multiply an apple contains seeds. Okay? You can take one seed, just one little tiny seed, you plant it in the ground, and an apple tree will grow. That will then bear lots of apples, not just one year, but continuously, year after year. 
And as you cut open one of those apples, it'll be filled with seeds, multiple seeds. One seed, just one seed, multiplies into many, many, many seeds. And if we apply this imagery to our finances, here are the tremendous truths. So let's say you spend 100% of your paycheck to meet your basic needs. When you spend all of your money, you have nothing left. Now, let's say you sow 10% of your paycheck to God as your tithe. You sow an additional 5% to missions. That leaves you 85% of your paycheck. But because you are taking the first fruit and giving it to God, and now God can bless it because you give. Say, a little boy gave his lunch to Jesus, and Jesus blessed it before he multiplied. When God blesses it, now, the Bible doesn't give a number. I'm going to just use this as an example. What if you give the 10%, you give 5% to missions, you got 85%, but then God blesses the 85%, and that week from various sources, you see an increase of 40% more into your finances. So now you have 25% more if you'd have just kept the 100%. Now you got 125% rather than 85%. Now God isn't Wall Street. He's not the South Carolina lottery either. He's God. He's faithful. He cannot lie. He cannot, he cannot not do what he said. That's why when you get people like me, there's a ton of us in this church who have tithed our whole life. We're so adamant about it. There's a guy somewhere that, in this town that he's written a book that tithing is wrong, and he's trying to talk all the Christians out of tithing. I don't know why he'd want to do that, but that's, that was kind of like his, his life's mission. He wanted to talk everybody out of tithing. And he's saying that if the sermon I'm preaching today, he would go to great lengths to try to disprove me. That's fine, but I got one thing that he can't disprove, and that's I'm 56 years old. I'm, I started tithing when I, was, when I started working, you know, really working when I was 14, 15 years old. So what's that, 40-something years? I've been, I've been tithing. God has blessed me. I don't know how to say it. God has blessed me. And conversely, I've watched people who don't tithe, and they struggle all the time. All the time they struggle. That anecdotal, maybe. It's working for me. It's working for a lot of people. Here's the problem. Some people are so much in debt that they consume all the apple seeds and they have nothing left to sow. They're sowing it, but they're sowing it to Truist Bank and Bank of America. And You with me? You're sowing. You're just having to sow it back into because you're in debt. Eliminate debt, save your money, invest your money, and tithe. All the young adults, you say, how can I, have, how can I do good in my finances, Pastor Chris? Eliminate debt, reduce your debt if you can't get rid of it. Save money, invest money in somewhere where it can make money, and then give God the tithe. That's free. Some people equate sowing as losing money. I talked about that last week. So they walk in doubt and they don't trust God. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man or woman sows, that he or she will also reap. Now Paul is using a universal principle in this in Galatians to talk about sowing to the flesh. If you sow to the flesh and you do fleshly things and carnal things, he said, of your flesh you will reap destruction. How many know you need to live right? That was pitiful in a holiness church. How many of y'all know you need to live right? 
Okay, because if you don't, you, you sow it. Go sow it on Friday night. Come to church and act like you all that with Jesus, but on Friday night you acting like all that and the devil. You sow that, it's going to come back and bite you. Y'all could get a nicer preacher than me. He said, of the flesh you will reap destruction. But he said, if you sow to the Holy Spirit and do what's right and do spiritual, he said, of the Spirit you will reap life everlasting. There's a universal principle, but that principle applies to money. If you sow to God through your tithes and offerings, you will reap. You'll reap good things. If you sow little or nothing, you will reap little or nothing. If you sow much, you will reap much. So here's my challenge to you. Take a chance with God. Take a chance with God. Give God your tithe and your offering. Can I address something? He said, well, you're going to do it anyway. Okay. You can have either have fear of loss in your finances or you can have the fear of the Lord. One or the other. But you can't have both. The fear of the Lord says, I reverence God. I respect God. People have a healthy fear of the Lord don't use the Lord's name in vain. They're very care. They just they respect you. You you. He's God. He's God. The big man upstairs. I got a thing with the big. Don't call him the big man upstairs. First of all, he's not a man. You're a man. He is a divine being. He's the only one. Be reverent. That's why I don't like people making fun of speaking in other tongues. I don't like it. That's a supernatural move of the third person of the Godhead that is unbelievable. I don't like when people make fun of that. Show respect for God. Fear of the Lord is reverence and respect for him. He may be my father, but he's still the God who can, who's a consuming fire. You know, I have a healthy respect for him. I wanted my boys to love me, but I wanted them to respect me when I was raising them. All the parents said, okay, that's, it's a perfect, beautiful balance. So you have a healthy respect for God. You, you fear the Lord. You say, I know, listen to me, I know who he is. When you know who he is, that's, that's pushing you in the realm of faith. I know who he is. I know what he can do. See, the fear of the Lord will promote faith, not fear. Okay? By the way, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's also the beginning of knowledge. So when you have a healthy respect for God and you see him for who he is, then you begin to learn the things of God and his principles and you become God-wise. And when you're God-wise, then you put that in application to your life because wisdom is the application of the rightful application of knowledge. And then your life experiences the blessings of God's wisdom which has been transferred to you. Second, give cheerfully and willfully. By the way, let your fear of the Lord overcome your fear of being without money, your fear of being unable to pay the bills, your fear of inflation, your fear of whatever. Let God's fear overcome. Give cheerfully and willfully. Let me just say that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. I, honestly, I'm almost done with the message. You know my imagination, right? There are things the Bible doesn't tell me, but I have to go there. Is it possible? 5,000 men in addition to women and children. So it may have actually been more than 5,000. Is it possible 
that the disciples went through the crowd saying, does anybody have any food here that we could let Jesus have? And they saw a grown man and said, sir, you've, you've got some food, don't you? Do, you? do you mind if we give that to Jesus? Uh-uh. Can't have my food. This is my lunch. It's all I've got. Okay. Ma'am, ma'am, you look like you've got a sack there. Is there food? There is food in there. Would you mind? Could we have that and give it to Jesus? No. No, I brought this for my family. My family's got to live off of this for the next month. I'm all up in your stuff and you don't even know it. Okay. I don't know how many adults they had. We don't know. And there's some little 10 year old boy over here sitting on a rock. He found a rock because Lord knows there's a lot of rocks swinging. Little knapsack. Bartholomew, because I love to preach on Bartholomew. He never gets anything, does he? It's always Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Old Bartholomew comes over. Son, what you got in that sack? I got five barley loaves and two fish my mama gave me. Really? Are you going to eat that? Yep, that's my lunch. I told her I was coming out to watch Jesus today. We only live right over that hill, but I wanted to come out here and hear Jesus because he is cool. Well, Jesus needs some food. Would you be willing to take this food and give it to Jesus? You better believe it. Because I trust him. I just came here today to see him and hear him. Here, take it to him. Well, we'll give it back to you. We'll, I think, we're not, be quite honest, son, we're not even sure what he's going to do, but there's a good chance you might get it back. I'm not sure. But you don't mind. No, nah, he can have it. I trust him. You ever heard of the faith of a little child? Maybe, I'm just going to challenge you today. Maybe some of you need to say, God, I've been thinking I've had big boy faith. But my big boy faith is not transferring into my finances. I need you to help me to have the faith of a little child. If that faith of a little child can save me, save my soul, that faith of a little child can do all right with my finances. That's good preaching. Just give me the faith of this. Lord, let me have the faith of that little boy. Okay? I, I, I'm moving. I'm trying. Y'all all right? Okay. Expect your finances to multiply. Um, I grew up in the mountains of, of Pennsylvania, Allegheny Mountains of Pennsylvania, rural. A lot of farmers, a lot of cornfields, a lot of people had gardens. Um, the town, mom, that we lived in had 276 people, Man's Choice, Pennsylvania. Did not have a red light. I'm telling you, the town that I grew up in made Honey of Path look like a metropolis. Am I telling the truth, Mom? Okay, little bitty town. Rural. Then my dad decides to go into state work and takes my 10-year-old self and moves us to Detroit, Michigan. First week, I grew up Fast. I learned a lot of stuff that you don't want a 10-year-old learning the first week at, when I was with all my friends, heathen friends. We won't go there. Detroit. Concrete. Detroit. 
I've lived in the big cities. I've lived in the rural. I've never been a farmer farmer, but I got farmer friends. I've grown a garden. I love growing a garden. I miss that. I want to say something to you today. Do not be insulted. I'm seeing this as exemplar, as an example to motivate it. So don't, okay. It's really possible that many of us have an urban mindset when it comes to our finances. We need to trade our urban mindset for a rural mindset. Start thinking like farmers. We are farmers. Hey, I'm going to get that in your head. You're stuck the rest of the week. You'll be cursing me by Wednesday night when you're laying in bed here. We are farmers. Dum da dum 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 dum. I can't get it out of my head, honey. I'm gonna kill him. We're farmers. Farmers sow. Farmers get seeds, but they don't hoard them. They plant them, and then they sit back. Eventually, the crops start to grow, and eventually the harvest comes. How many of y'all ever had a garden? Put your hands up. How many never grown a garden? Let me see your hand. Never grown a garden. Okay. So some of you, gardens will teach you this. Do y'all remember when you were in school? I don't know if they still do this. But I remember doing this in elementary school. You, you get a, a little glass, little glass, and they tell everybody, you, you need to bring a bean home from home. So mom would give you a you know, black-eyed pea or a lima bean. A lot of times it was lima beans. And you'd, and you'd take wet paper towels and you'd shove it down in the glass. Y'all remember doing this? Do they still do this? Any of our teachers, do they still do this? And then you, and then you, you, you cram the, the bean down in the glass so sunlight can hit it. It's got moisture. And then you put it on, everybody in the class put it up on the windowsill. Every morning, everybody would come in. They'd run over and look. In the first few days, nothing. And then one morning, everybody comes running in. They come over, and a little stalk has broken out of the side of that bean and starting to work its way up. And everybody's getting excited. The next thing, it's growing. Then leaves come out. And what teachers are trying to do is show us, from a scientific point of view, how biology works, et cetera. What they didn't know is they were teaching a spiritual principle is if you'll just take that one bean and let it go and plant it in the ground, though, and let it grow, you'll have more beans than when you started with. I want to challenge those of you who say, God changed my thinking about tithing and giving. And then here's the thing. Here's my challenge. See if God will bless you. I want to challenge those of you who own your own business tithe on your business there is a man who used to go to church and I'm not going to tell his name because that's that, I can't do that and I won't do it it's not, it's not right uh, he moved I sometimes say God why did the great tithe payers get moved I've had that happen now several times this man had his own business he, he worked for a company did very well and he was a tither and he started his own business and he determined he was going to tithe on his business and I know that's hard I've talked to businessmen because trying to figure out your, your profits versus your, your overhead and your costs sometimes it's a moving target 
week to week, month to month. I understand that. It's a moving target. And if you're not careful, you use that for an excuse to not tithe at all. You've got to figure out something. My friend figured it out, and he just set an amount, and he said, whatever the profit is, or if it's high profit, low profit, we, every week, every month, I'm tithing. He tithed consistently. His business exploded. It kept growing and growing and growing. He, he would talk to me about he was str- struggling to buy the more equipment he had to get and get higher people, and it grew and it grew. That man was one of the top three tithers in our church and eventually became the top tithe payer in our church. And he didn't do it to become that. He did it because he was just being faithful to God. And he wanted God to bless his business. And God blessed it and multiplied. I want to challenge some of you to make God your business partner and tithe out of your business and see if God won't bless it. The Bible doesn't say who, but, you know, you got 12 baskets and you got 12 disciples, and the disciples work for the Lord. I just kind of got a feeling that when the 12 baskets of leftovers from what he originally had, you know, the little boy got his lunch back, right? Y'all know that, right? He got his lunch back, right? The Lord fed him, blessed him. He ate good. Okay, everybody else ate good. And the Lord just kept multiplying. Peter, it's got to be Peter. Lord, 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 you can stop. No, I can't. But Lord, we fed everybody. Everybody's full. Nope, not done yet. But why? But why, Lord? Because that little boy right there was the only one out of thousands who trusted me. He's just not going to get a good meal out of this today. Just hold on. Keeps multiplying. One basket, two basket, three basket, four baskets, five basket. Lord, but every, nope, don't worry, six baskets, seven, eight. I mean, you're talking about filling up baskets, and the Lord just, what are we going to do with this? Give it to him. He's still sitting on a rock. He got his belly full. Big crowd. He's eating this up. And he got personally meet Jesus. Peter comes over. Son, you said you lived just over that hill? Uh-huh. Take me to your house. Okay. He started that way. Peter looked at 11 and said, get the baskets. Twelve guys holding baskets full. And they walk over the hill, and that little 10-year-old boy comes up at the house, and his mama walks out. Son, what are you doing? Been to see Jesus. Who are these guys? Oh, these are his disciples. What do they got? I don't know. They got 12 baskets of fish and chips. He's 10. Boy's mama says to Peter, can I help you? He said, no, but we can help you. Your little boy was the only one out of all those people that had enough trust in the Lord to give him his lunch and our Lord took it and multiplied it and just worked this unbelievable miracle and fed thousands upon thousands of people. And he did some leftovers just for you. 
this is yours. And they started dumping it, and that mama had 12 basketfuls of bread and fish laying there and said, enjoy your day. And they went back to Jesus with a mother with her jaw going. Are you seeing it? I'm scared to time. I'm scared to time. I'm scared. Don't be scared. Just be like that little boy and say, here. Start looking for 12 basketfuls to show up. You better stand with me. I better quit. I've been preaching long enough. Y'all okay? We've, we've prayed and shouted and had a big time. Y'all, you give me two more minutes? Put that picture up. Put that next picture up. That little tent. Anybody ever slept in one of those? If you're six foot two, your feet probably stick out the end of that. Got your little pup tent. Little pup tent. Do you know some of you? That's your finances. That's your finance. That's your giving. Little pup tent. Isn't that cute? Got a little cute little setup there. You got your little financial portfolio. You just got it all figured out, don't you? So you're mocking me, Pastor. I know. I'm sorry. But let the Lord speak to you. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your states. For you shall, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. There is a promise in the Bible that if you will just give and let God begin to work, go to the next slide. Instead of that little pump tent, you can have that. Somebody give him praise this morning. You can have that. Where you pull up the, the cords and you have to add material. The tent's getting bigger. Y'all, I'm just trying to say get out of your pump tent mentality and say, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to give offerings, I'm going to trust God, and God is going to work in my life day, week, month, year by year until one day we're going to wake up saying, look at what, look at what we have. Do you, do you remember when we were in the pup tent? But look what the Lord has done. And that's the secret. See this service, Billy, is going to go all the way back around to what you sung is don't ever forget who gave it to you? Will you lift your hands and say, God, speak to me right now. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the privilege to preach. I'm passionate about this because I want to see our people blessed. I want to see everybody here blessed. And I pray in the name of Jesus, you will open our hearts. We used to sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open, our, open the eyes of our hearts. Open the eyes of our minds. Help open the eyes of our spirits. Help us to see what we didn't see before. God, eject, oust every fear, every doubt, and help us to be people who walk in faith and confidence and know that my life and my times are in your hands, and that includes my finances. Help everybody here to be tithers, to give consistently the tithe, the offerings, to be a source that you can use to bless others. And God, we just thank you for your financial plan. Help us to have the faith of a little child. Enlarge our tent. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.